Welcome to Remember When, a podcast for capturing the stories, insights, and lessons learned that will enable you to age forward with grace and ease. I'm your host, Kiki, and today's episode is sponsored by Elder Pride 2023. Now here's Reverend Jack Elliott, or as we like to call him, RJ. All right, Kiki. So today is going to be an exciting broadcast. You know, I am looking forward to it because we got a special announcement coming up at the end that's going to be talking about our next great book in a series that we'll be discussing. But when I looked at what's up for this week, oh, this rule is going to be just as juicy as the rest. So would you share with folks what rule number 10 is? Yes, RJ. Rule number 10 in Jordan B. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life and Antidote to Chaos is be precise in your speech. Be precise in your speech. Now, read the subtitle of the book one more time, because that's the key right there. The subtitle is An Antidote to Chaos. So, Chaos occurs in our life when we're not precise with our words. And one of the things that we notice, those of us that we would call elders in the LGBTQ plus community, is sometimes how we define a word is very different than a millennial or a Gen Xer or Generation Z person might use that same word. It also is an opportunity because many of us are using technology um, that's available to us in a great sense to us, but we'll get a text from someone in a younger generation and they'll use either an emoji to communicate with us or they'll use a three letters to describe what it is, you know, like the LOL, laughing out loud, you know, what, whatever that might be. They're being precise, but we may very well not have a clue as to what is actually being communicated to us. And so we have this opportunity to really look at our words. I'm also going to offer, there's a spiritual element to it that I'll get to in a moment, but I, you know, I was reminded one of my favorite books is the, a book by Steven Peterson, um, who wrote a book called The War of Art. And that's backwards from the popular book that you may have known, but The War of Art is a book dedicated to people who want to be writers and storytellers and to create a story. And in one of his chapters, he's talking about the importance of being precise with our words. And he asked the question, why do you think in a TV drama, when the hero runs a pup and sees the victim in the street, that he turns and says, someone call 911. You know, it kind of throws that off. And that that actor, that, that character may very well have a cell phone right in their hand. And so you may think, well, why don't you call 911 yourself? You just saw what happened. 
Well, a part of it is that the dialogue that would happen in that phone call, you would see the actor dialing the number on the phone. You would see the actor waiting for the operator to respond. The operator would respond. He would have to give the address of where he's located. Maybe it's a precise address. Maybe he doesn't know where he's located. He would have to have that conversation with the operator on the other side. And then all the meanwhile, that's useless conversation to the viewer. That's useless conversation to the audience hearing that story. So by throwing the line away for someone else, call 911 is a precise way of communicating that dialogue at that moment. Because what's really important in that moment is the victim on the ground looking up and saying, Cyril did it, or tell my child I love them, or whatever it is that the, that person would be saying at the last minute is more precise and more key to the storytelling than listening to the hero dial 911 and all of that that would happen there. And so oftentimes what I want to use is that example is how we talk to one another in real life. It's more important that we get to the point quickly. So if somebody comes up and asks you and said, did you pick grandma up at the airport? Well, let me tell you about that. When I went out and got in the car, I could not tell you the debris that was in that car. So I knew that oh, I had to clean out that car. So grandma would have a place to sit in the car. And then I thought my dad would never, ever let his car get this dirty in life. So suddenly in the storytelling, the person telling the story has gone into the weeds of detail about what was on their mind, but had nothing to do with the question being asked. For all we know, grandma is still standing outside the terminal at the airport because this person hasn't even left yet to go pick her up. Same thing with the precise communication. You know, you come back from the doctor. What did the doctor tell you you need to do? Well, I have no idea because when I walked into the doctor's office, there were so many people in the waiting room and some of them had their face masks on and others didn't have their face masks on. And I just felt like, no, 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 no. None of that story matters to anyone. That's your mind chatter that's happening in that particular moment. And so what you want to do first is whenever anyone asks you a question, take a moment and pause and think, what is the most precise way I can answer this question? Did you pick grandma up at the airport? No. She's taking an Uber. She'll be here at 10. Now let me tell you, how that came to be. So that shifts the preciseness of the storytelling. So many of us, and then I'm guilty of this as well, when we are isolated like we were during the pandemic 
and that we were at home and you know we've been alone with our thoughts and we've been by ourselves and then suddenly somebody calls oh my goodness i'm talking to another human being oh my goodness somebody went and you are off running telling them story after story after story after story and you just realize oh how do i bring this in i'm sure this person didn't call me to hear my frustration with the Xfinity remote or how I made my smart TV work or the trouble that I had with it. You know, they're not calling, they're checking in. You know, so now that preciseness is really discerning what is ours to tell in that moment. Oftentimes in my coaching sessions and talking with elders, when they go to the doctor, I always encourage them to take a list of the things that they've noticed that has shifted in their life. For example, you know, you write down a note that says, you know, I'm having trouble getting up and down the steps and I'm really surprised by that. Or I'm noticing that if I stand up too quickly, I get a little bit dizzy or I notice that, you know, whenever I sit too long in the chair, my legs get numb or there's a tingling feeling here. You know, when a doctor asks you how you're doing, those are the things they want to hear because that then triggers them to know what tests to take, what the next steps might be. You know, they're engaging you in that conversation but so many of us in our generation, when the primary care physician asks that question, our first response is, oh, I'm doing fine. Really? You're not. You've noticed some things. So you really need to be precise because they may very well be easy fixes that you can accommodate in your journey. The other thing is being precise in our words that we choose when someone says, I'm coming over this weekend to help. What do you need done? Have the list ready. What's the number one thing that you want done? Maybe the handrail is loose on the stairway and you want it fixed because it's a safety hazard. But if you say, I have a handrail that needs to be fixed. The grass needs to be mowed. I think the oil needs to be changed in the car. And I'd love to go to the grocery store if I could get a ride with you to go to the grocery store. Too much. The caretaker or the person coming to help you might go, okay, I'll mow the yard because it keeps me away from you. You know, because you're bringing too much to the table here. Set those priorities and be clear and precise with your words. The thing that I really need is the handrail fixed. And once that's done, then I might have a couple more things for you. The other thing is don't be afraid to ask for the same precision. And what I mean by that is if you're speaking to someone and say, can you come by this weekend to help me out because I have a handrail that needs to be fixed. Sure, I'll come by this weekend. What time will you come by this weekend? Oh, sometime on Saturday. 
okay, what time on Saturday? Now, it may seem to them like that's not important, but one of the things that's very important in an elder's life as we age forward with grace and ease is structure. Structure is how we get through the day many times. So we don't want to miss something else that's equally important in our life, waiting in anticipation for somebody else to come around on a Saturday when it's convenient for them. And oftentimes if we do, and if they can't come by, and if they can't commit, we just need to go out to our network and get somebody else to do the thing. Because again, you want to know that routine. You want to know what's precise. And one of the reasons why being precise is so important to us is it helps us remember what it is that's on our palate to do. And another key thing that I've noticed with a lot of folks that I've been working with, they're very clear that they have an appointment at 8.30 on Thursday morning. What they're not clear on is when they think that appointment will end. Is that appointment for an hour? Is that appointment for 30 minutes? Is that appointment for 90 minutes? Be precise. When you write down that you have an appointment from at 8.30 on Thursday morning, write down when you anticipate it to be over with. So 8.30 to 9.30. Okay. Then you know that you have enough time to travel from that appointment to get to where you want to be at 10.30 or at 11 o'clock. But if you don't factor in the preciseness of that time element, then your whole schedule gets screwed up and it's, it's easy to do. We've all done it. So it's just one of those little tidbits, one of those things that makes it a little bit easier to get from where we are to where we want to be in managing this time in our life. But here's the other thing that I want to talk about. And I think it's a, it's a kind of a great um, understanding of how our world got to be the way that it is. You know, I watched a lovely little comedic uh, video on TikTok. And most of my TikTok watching, I will admit, are episodes of Judge Judy. Now, I never watched Judge Judy as a program, but I'm loving the three-minute video clips of Judge Judy on TikTok. Because the whole case, it's precise. The whole case is handled in three minutes. And you get the whole experience of the whole thing. And you get to really tap into how Judge Judy makes her decision because she's looking at preciseness of words. She will say, don't tell me the story. Don't tell me what you thought. Don't tell me what you said to them. Don't tell me what they said to the other person. Tell me exactly what happened that you witnessed. She's calling upon the person to be very precise. But as that video was over, the next one came up. There was this comedian that was talking about the difference of words and the definitions of words between the straight community 
and the LGBTQ plus community. And the example that he was using in this dialogue was the term hookup. And that the definition of a hookup in the LGBTQ plus community is very different than it is in the straight community. When someone in the straight community says, let's hook up Saturday at five, they're talking about let's connect. Let's get together for a drink at Joe's Tavern at five o'clock on Saturday. In the LGBTQ plus community, it means come over to my house at five o'clock on Saturday, we're gonna have some fun. So there's this clarity that we have to we have to have. And I was then watching another episode uh, talking about folks living and moving to Palm Springs. And Palm Springs, California has an older LGBTQ plus community that is the major residence of the community. And then, of course, then there's some younger folks that are also going to that area and live in that area. And it was a dialogue between how communication, nobody understands the other person. They don't understand how to communicate with one another. A good example is if I say, let's connect at six o'clock for dinner at Joe's Grill. A boomer or a millennial will be there at 10 minutes to six in order to have that dinner. The Generation Z person maybe will stop by sometime between 6 and 7 p.m. to connect with you and sit down at the table and say, no, I don't want anything I've already eaten. And to the older generation, that seems disrespectful. That seems like I'm being discounted. That seems like I'm your plan B as long as, you know, something better doesn't come along, you know. And so it's creating this whole dialogue where we have to really learn how to re-communicate with one another and to be clear and precise with our communication. You know, when I studied broadcasting in college, the thing that was was reinforced almost on a daily message was source, message, channel, receiver. The source, where's the story coming from? What is the message? What is the best way that you're going to communicate it? You're going to tell a story, you're going to do a video, you're going to do a radio broadcast, whatever it might be. But the most important part was the fifth part, and that was feedback. You have to get the feedback from the person that you've communicated with that they understood what you intended for them to understand. So it's perfectly okay to be precise in your communication and to then ask the question, tell me what you think. Tell me how you understand that. It helps us be more clear. It helps us alleviate any doubt as to what we mean. Now, I told you that we get to the spiritual part of it. You know, one of the things that I offer as an idea is that each word that we speak aloud is a prayer. 
And if we own that, we're very precise in what we're praying for. We're very precise in what it is that we're asking for. So in our self-talk, if I say to myself, as I stumble up the two steps from the garage into the house, you idiot, you are so clumsy. Now, I've been very precise with my words, but I've also been very precise in my prayer to the universe to say, I'm an idiot and I'm clumsy. So a spirit of free will, a God of free will hears that and says, oh, Jack wants to be more clumsy and he wants more examples of why he is an idiot. Okay, I can provide that because where we put our focus expands. And so if I'm constantly judging myself and being mean to myself when the little foibles of life jump up, I'm doomed. I've already set the prayer in motion. You know, one of the other people that I was talking to this week said, you know, I for years and years and years and years, I had a fear of falling. I had a fear of falling. And I said, great. Is that still true for you? Nope. And I go, well, how'd you turn that around? She said, I decided to fall once every day. And what I do is I will slide out to the edge of my chair and I will fall right on the floor. Now I do it safely, but what I do is I have mastered how to get up when I fall. And once I realized that I, if I could put myself on the floor every day, I could be precise in my approach for knowing how to get up. And so if I know how to get up when I'm on my bedroom floor, where to put my hand, where to put my leverage, where to, to make it happen, the fear goes away from falling in the bedroom. When I'm in my living room, if I'm on the floor, I know exactly which chair to crawl to in order to brace myself, to get myself up. If I'm in the dining room, if I'm in the kitchen. So this person practiced the get up. And by practicing the get up, they had a strategy for any time that they ever fell. And so eventually, if they did accidentally fall, they didn't really even have a memory of that fall because after all, getting up from the floor was something they did every day. And they could prove to themselves that they could do it. But they were precise in the words that they used each time they got up. They proclaimed out loud, I did this. I got up. I am no longer afraid to fall because I know I can get up. Now think about it. They said that out loud. They wrote that message into their psyche so their subconscious would hear it. That was their prayer to the universe by doing it in a precise way, 
they eradicated the fear from their thought structure. So look at this line that we've kind of come down today. You know, we've learned how to be precise in our words and the value of being precise with our words to being absolutely clear in what we want in life and especially in how we have our self-talk with one another. So Kiki, what do you think? I think extraordinary, RJ. Thank you for that. It really brought it to light for me. I loved um, all of the examples that you talked about in terms of um, elaborating on why we need to be precise with our speech, uh, particularly in the medical setting. Um, you know, I thought that 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 was great, and I um, and I think about that. Uh, as in terms of caretaking for myself and when I'm, I am in support of others, uh, taking them to their medical appointments. And as others are with me as well, whether they are in person with me um, or whether they're on the telephone as I undergo these things. Um, it's also great to have reinforced this, um, you know, our, our sometimes our negative self-talk and um, the importance of being precise as we speak things out loud um, and create our prayers uh, and, and how we talk about each other, uh, talk about ourselves. So I, I, I love having that one reinforced. Um, and just a great example of, of uh, dealing with the fear when you talked about the, the, the fear of falling um, and um, what that person did to overcome that fear and how they how they practiced and, and how proactive they were in, 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 in dealing with that fear. And then what she first started out with um, in terms of answering questions uh, and answering questions in the most precise way and, and really figuring out what the person is is getting to and what they and what they want and answering that and then if you want to elaborate uh, more but at least the question um, has been answered and and fears have been allayed I think this is you know like all the other rules just a very important rule and it was great to have you uh, to, to to give it life to well we can't life. leave grandma hanging at the airport we can't we can't <laughs> what happened with grandma? go pick her up. We need to have somebody else to go pick her up. Right. And, you know, the other thing that I think is so important um, is the clarity around what words mean. You know, and I think that we teased a little jokingly about the word hookup, but mm -hmm. I also think that, you know, if somebody were to call and say, hey, I'd love to go out with you on a date. What does that mean? What does that mean to me? What does that mean to them? And we want to get some clarity around that. And I was reminded of a time when someone asked me out on a date and I happened to be very involved in the theater at that particular time. And one of my plays that I had directed was being performed. And I said, I would love to go out with you and have you come to the show on Friday night as our first date. 
But what you need to know is it's probably not going to be dinner before the play because for the director, there's way too much going on. And I said, and it might be drinks after the play, but some of the other cast members may want to join us. Now, if you're comfortable with that, great comment. I'd love to sit next to you and watch your reaction to the play. Well, the other person said, how about if I just pick you up when you're done having drinks with your friends? Well, that let me know that their picture of a date was very different than what I wanted and what I was really looking for. And I said, you know, let's just pick another time because that really won't work for me. And I was, it was revealed on two levels. One, I love theater. So if you tell me in the first conversation, you're really not interested in seeing a play. Two, you're not interested in seeing a play that I directed. Three, you're not interested in meeting people that I'm hanging with around the play. You've told me in three different ways, you're not somebody that I really particularly want in my life. <laughs> you know, so you thank you for showing me who you are. And I believe you. You know, so I think we should never be afraid to ask for the clarity around the communication. I think that's a great example because, uh, you know, my definition of also of having a date is getting to know somebody. And if, 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 if my first date with you was coming to your play that you directed and hanging out with you afterwards, that's a great way of getting to know you um, uh, or starting to get to know you. And you're right, uh, it was great for you to observe that if this person wasn't interested in, in, in really in your life and what you do, then um, you, know, you, you, you recognize that and, and saw it. And it was like, no, after your life is over, I will, <laughs> you, you and I can connect. And it's like, no, after, after my day is over with the play and, you know, going out afterwards, I'm ready to go to bed at that point. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, yes. Right, right, right. And I, and I, and I liked how you talked about the difference in, in language. And I think, you know, not only generationally, I think the difference in, you know, you talked about hookup and date and, and also how we use it in, in a context. Um, you know, I might describe something as I'm talking to, to someone that it is, that it is a date um, or how, would you like to go out on a date with me? But also in, the, in terms of a friendship, you know, we might plan something. And at the end of that plan, I might say it's a date. Now that doesn't mean to me that I am dating them in a, in a romantic way to get to know them. I'm just confirming at that point um, that, it's a, that it's a date. But uh, that's when I think the precision in the speech, we might have to ask more questions uh, about it if we are unclear about what it means, uh, whether it's date or hook up or connect or link up, any of these terms that we, that we have. I had another great friend who said, would you love to grab some Thai food Friday evening? Absolutely. And I can tell you exactly where my favorite Thai restaurant is on Shattuck Avenue. And let's go there and meet at seven o'clock. Oh, you wanted to eat there? Now, <laughs> for me in my world, yes, I did. 
you know, because I... Oh, they were saying food, grab to take food to go? Yes, exactly. Okay. It was just Thai food was just an idea of what we might eat on Friday evening. Well, for me, it's all about the ambiance. You know, it's all about that conversation across the table. Uh, it's not eating some food while we're watching a movie on Netflix. That's okay too, but in a different context when it's clear that that's what's going to happen. But even in our culture, do you want to chill and do Netflix is jargon or do you want to hook up? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's like I have talked to folks who said, I went over to this person's house thinking that we were going to watch Yellowstone. And I got there and they didn't even have a TV. So it's the modern day equivalent of, do you want to come up and see my etchings? And <laughs> I had no Jill idea. And Netflix is, Jill do you want to come up and see my etchings? Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> and so the follow-up question is always important. And I learned a long time ago in my corporate world that I would run into somebody in the hallway and they would ask me a question. I would answer the question and then it would backfire on me because I realized the first question never was really the question that they were asking. So it might as well be, do you think Kiki should be off on Monday? Well, no, I don't know of any reason why Kiki should be off on Monday. Okay. And then I get an email from Kiki. Why did you tell so-and-so that I couldn't have Monday off? I'm going to my grandma's funeral. What? I never said you couldn't go to your grandmother's funeral. <laughs> but it was that hallway conversation where in that moment, I'm trying to put that little fire out and move on down to the next thing. And I was not precise in the communication in a sense of, I didn't say, why are you bringing this to me? Why are you asking me this question? Or secondly, sometimes I learned very quickly to say, okay, this is my thought, but send me an email with the same question. And I put it on me. I said, I may forget that we talked by the time I get back to the office you know, or back to my office kind of thing. And that helped with that communication as well. Again, precise is clarity. Indeed, yes, that, uh, that's, that, that's this lesson uh, for rule number 10. I love that. Exactly. Now, tease us with what you know is coming up. We are, just to, you know, kind of acknowledge, I believe that this is our 17th episode, if I'm not mistaken. And I am so proud of the work that we've accomplished in these first 17 episodes. But I know that we got something special coming up in about episode 20. Absolutely. So, um, and, you know, we've enjoyed this, this book and the episodes. And even before we started with this book, uh, we had episodes uh, uh, dealing with the 12 Rules for Life and Antidote to Chaos. Um, but our next book I'm very excited about, um, it is the 30th anniversary edition of The Artist's Way. And the subtitle is A Spiritual Path 
to higher creativity. And the even the pre-thing um, about the book says that it's a course in discovering and recovering your creative self. Um, the 30th anniversary edition uh, came out in 2016, and I was privileged to uh, get this book when it first came out. Um, you know, now now uh, we're in 2023, more than 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 30 years ago, um, and I uh, was first struck by the title, um, "The Artist's Way." Uh, at the time I was, was, and I still am writing, I didn't consider myself an artist. Um, maybe I thought an artist was someone who was a, a visual artist, a painter, a drawer, may, maybe a photographer, etc. But this was very interesting um, as I went through this book and it's, it's divided um, in weeks, 12 weeks, perfect for us and to go through the exercises and also accept myself as an artist. And most of us are artists, I would say. In fact, I'd probably say all of us are artists and to discover how we are and what we are and our creativity um, using a spiritual path to do this. So I'm very excited about having the artist way, a spiritual path to a higher creativity as our read and um, our guide. What's the author's name? I'm sorry. Yes, I should have said the author is Julia Cameron, and um, th this is just a, for me one of those one of these seminal books uh, that I, that I have used over the years and continue to use. And it's it's the thing that you can you can use over and over again. And I will I will tease one wonderful aspect um, of the process is. One of her suggestions, Julia Cameron's suggestions, is every morning as a practice, first thing when you get up, before you speak to anyone, you sit down and write for 30 minutes what she calls morning pages. And you just write anything that is on your mind. Um, uh, you don't do any editing. You just write for 30 minutes, even if what you're writing is, I don't understand this process. I don't understand why I'm writing this, these morning pages. I don't have anything to say. Uh, I have writer's block, uh, you know, whatever it is you, you write, but, and I've done this process and sometimes I just have written, you know, things that are on my mind and, you know, I haven't edited it. And other times wonderful pieces have come out. I've actually written op-eds in my morning pages, uh, but it's a good it's a good practice and it's a good ritual, and that's one of the things that she she suggests that I I implore all the time, even when I'm not going through the book with uh, with regularity. And I think that this is something that is universal, and all of us uh, will be able to embrace uh, having our creativity uh, revealed to us in a spiritual path. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that, Kiki. And I think that uh, I am certainly looking forward to it. The book is also available on audiobooks if that supports you in that fashion. So with that, I'm going to say we're going to be precise with our words and say thank you for listening to this episode. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>
You have been listening to Remember When, a weekly podcast presented by our friends at Elder Pride, serving our elders in the LGBTQ plus community and those that love them. At Elder Pride, we provide the tools, insights, and connections to assist you to age forward with grace and ease. Want more? Then join us for our virtual gathering every day at 3.45 p.m. Pacific time. You'll find the Zoom link at elderprideforme.org. I'm your host, Kiki, and you've been listening to Remember When, copyright 2023, Elder Pride Incorporated.